0: you are listening to the consciously curious podcast where we dissect those that are thriving in their field in order to lay down the steps for others to follow i'm your host victor chan this show is for those that don't know what they want to do in life or are simply just curious if you know someone that would be perfect for the show or have a passion you want me to explore please send it my way up guys what a time to be alive as a craft beer consumer in this episode we catch up with the shy beer guy himself brady potts he has experience in the restaurant bar industry and has always had a knack for eloquently describing beers and accurately helping others find a beer that they would enjoy he fills us in on the current state of craft beer and what it takes to be a relevant brewery these days He's currently on the distribution side of things, but hopes to come back to the bar-restaurant scene one day. Please enjoy my conversation with Brady Potts. That's right. Um, but So welcome to the show, Brady. Thank you for having me on. I yeah, appreciate it. it. In your own words, can you describe um, your day-to-day and what a specialist kind of does?
1: So... My day to day is is always uh, different. It's always the same, but it's always different. Um, you know, anybody in sales knows that your day is kind of pre-planned. Okay. Um, when you're a rep, I should say your your day is kind of pre-planned. Oh, well, I guess you could say in in all sales. Um, the way that I go about planning and the way it works in distribution in general is uh, generally when you get hired as a uh, a sales rep or a craft beer specialist you are given a territory um, mm. with a list of, of accounts that you go to whether it's bars restaurants retail stores bottle shops things of that sort um, so on most days I will prepare if I'm preparing for the following day I start by going through my list of accounts that I have for that next day mm. and I assess uh, based on my relationship with the buyer at said account, I assess what needs to be done with them, and essentially I put it in order of which account I want to visit first and, okay. and what I plan to do with said account. Interesting. Um, so starting out when you start this job, um, I'll take you back when yeah, I, please I do. when I start this started this job. Um, you know it, it's initially a struggle because you have to build these relationships right. you're new to to a lot of these buyers so um, what they what what most buyers tend to do and one thing i've gathered is it's it's all about the uh, essentially the strength of your relationship and also for lack of a better term it's about your your ability to connect with them sure. If that makes any sort yeah, of sense, yeah. It's just—it's more than beer. And for the record, I, I tend to go off the rails a lot. So if I get sure, I get off topic. You can just reel me back. Okay. Um, so my day to day—I don't—I don't know exactly what you're—if you're looking for a specific answer, but that's generally my day to day is is laying out my plan beforehand, assessing each individual account and what I plan to do with that account. Um, and that's generally it. Uh, Other than that, when I actually, uh, you know, go through that day, there are things that that happen naturally. For people that work in the distribution field, they they know that this happens all the time. Sometimes you get thrown some Mm curveballs where uh, you'll have to drop what you're doing and you know, go to an account, you have to bring them a tap handle, they're missing a tap handle, or oh, no. okay. they're having issues with their keg or, or what have you. So um, each day is different. But in the planning, it's generally always the same.
0: Is it just um, selling? Or are you like you said, you're bringing
1: tap handles? Um, like, are you actually delivering the goods as well? So our company delivers the goods. I myself do not. Oh, okay, um, okay. Generally, we have a driver for that. Yeah. So I, I do work for a, a smaller startup company. So um, there aren't a whole lot of employees in in our company, sure. um, so a lot of uh, tedious responsibilities will fall on me, uh, which makes sense. I mean, this is this is very much a uh, self-sufficient like type of job. It is what you make of it, right? Right? Okay. Right? Exactly. Um, I think one thing, a big thing to be said about the industry, about this job in particular, is that. It's like I said, all about relationships. Mm. It's about the relationships that you build. And truthfully, uh, I can say I'm actually not good at sales. Okay. I I hate <laughs> I the hate con- being sales-
0: salesy. Yeah, I right. hate
1: the concept right. of sales. I don't. I I just believe in authenticity, and I believe in speaking about what I know, mm. and I believe in uh, you know putting forth my talents to to help somebody in the best way possible. I think there's a huge stigma behind a lot of craft beer reps, and I'll I'll go into this in a second as to why buyers think this way, but after experiencing this job for so long, I quickly realized that a lot of buyers and bars and restaurants, because of how saturated the market is they are just tired. Mm. They're tired of seeing so many sales reps. They probably see a million of of them a day, and they've probably had some really great sales reps and some really bad sales reps that, you know, really broke their trust. And and it makes it it more difficult for the next guy stepping up to the plate. Guy or girl, I should say. Um, Because there's plenty of women that are out there rocking it too. Okay. Um, So it, it... the industry is is in a place right now where particularly here in chicago where it's it's so it's such a volatile market mm. and nobody really knows i feel like and this might just be my opinion but nobody really knows where it's going to be in the next 5 to 10 years because of how many brands are out there yeah um, I have my own theories, of course, as to where it's going to be, and that, that's where my passion comes in about this industry. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say that my passion is necessarily in sales, I'd say my passion is in the business side of beer. I'm really, okay. really fascinated with okay. how, uh, how the business side moves, how consumers buy, why they buy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating to me, and that sounds very salesy. But it's it's more about branding.
0: It's it's you're thinking long term and
1: relationships, right? And macro. Instead of the Excuse instead
0: of the transactional aspect of of the job, right. Instead of just like this one point of sale t- type of thing, it's like, well, how can we create and foster a relationship and over this shared good of beer,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, and and I'm quoting my friend Dan Shedler, who I actually sat in this very spot with and and had a chat on my podcast was. Um, that beer is a social connector Mm. it has been for thousands of years and people are going to continue to drink beer for as as long as they live i mean it's one of the oldest commodities on the face of the earth Mm -hmm. um so that being said there is there's so much about the business side of things that um, that coincides with that and there there's there's a lot of nuances in the industry that people don't really know about. Um, and if I had to give an example of some of those nuances, I would say you know, a lot of people don't realize that, to your point, branding is, is a huge factor. Branding and marketing are, is my essentially my theory of what's going to win for a brewery, right. what's going to make a brewery win right. in the next five to ten years. Branding and marketing. Because uh, it's not just about the liquid anymore. I mean, we're past, we're now, I don't know, I want to say 10 plus years into the revolution of craft beer. Right. It's, right. it's well-established. Yeah. It's in the public eye. You know, there are so many breweries popping up. I mean, it, I don't know if you knew, there are 200, roughly 240 in the state. There's about 191, roughly, don't quote me on this, in, in the metro area, somewhere okay. around those. Sure. those numbers. So it's really interesting to, to see where we might be in the next couple of years. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um,
0: what did you do before this? Like, what, what type of person is meant for this job? Like, what do you think you were, you were well prepared for this job?
1: I think I was, um, and I have a little bit of an unconventional background, and this is uh, this is not something that I condone uh, for the younger listeners listeners that you might have out there. But um, so I grew up on the south side of Chicago, which uh, anybody out there is listening is from the south side of Chicago. They know that there's a very uh, very prominent culture of of drinking and togetherness mm-hmm. in, in the south side. So. Growing up, my parents were were big beer drinkers. They were always into. I mean, they were early adapters of of Sam Adams, even of uh, uh, Goose Island, of uh, you know Revolution, even. So, growing up, I saw. I you know, obviously, I was an underage kid, but I would see those in my fridge anytime I I went to go open up my fridge. I would see them, and I was just so enthralled. I was so amazed by the branding aspect of it. I said, "Wow." At what age? What you were? What? Yeah, oh, man, real young, probably, <laughs> probably like ten to fifteen yeah, years was old. You were already
0: thinking about branding at that. Yeah, no, okay. I was.
1: I was just so amazed by okay. the fact that a beer could look different than a Miller Lite or a Bud Light. Oh or yeah, Lite yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because that's all I had ever seen. That's all I had seen advertising for right, commercials, right, right. any any sort of uh, you know signage when going into your local grocery store okay. or liquor store. That's all I ever really saw. Um, until of course i saw these beers that my parents were bringing home and um i I used to remember taking them out and looking at the the whole can and Mm -hmm. just you know probably my parents if they heard that this god bless you guys i love you uh they're great parents you know um but they probably hear me and say oh my god our kid did that that's crazy must be why he's in a beer uh so yeah i mean that that's that's uh that's kind of how i became exposed to the world of craft beer and then growing up i i most of my professional career or my working career uh, was in bar restaurant industry oh, so okay, that's where okay. i really got into it okay okay i got to see how craft beer moved and the changes that were happening because i was so i mean you know growing up i i was 15 years old when i started in bar restaurant industry okay actually 14 years old and i got a uh, workers of those, yeah and um, I, I got to watch people buy craft beer and I and I saw different brands come in and out and, and change in different styles and for whatever reason I was just so amazed by it it was it was really really interesting to see why people bought those beers because a lot of times I would listen in on conversations with you know bartenders and people sure. buying the beers and um, it was just very very interesting to me so about, I want to say, uh, about 18 years old, I started working at corporate restaurants and, and seeing that side of, of bar restaurant industry, and craft beer was slowly making its way into the corporate world. Okay. Um, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, Goose Island was always there. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, Sierra Nevada, who's been around for a long time. Um, Sam Adams, of course, founders, um, just to name a few. So those were some brands that I saw come in and out, and... I think when I got to about 22 years old, roughly, I was I was working at more uh, mom-and-pop type places, um, a little bit more open to bringing in different styles of beer and, and just adapting to the way the market was moving. Mm-hmm. Okay, So, again, I thought that was extremely interesting to see uh, all these brands coming in on the corporate side comparatively to a couple of years later on the uh, the mom and pop, the independent owner type side. So I thought that was, again, really interesting. And once I got to that point, I was about 22 years old. I started working at these independent places, and I became, that was when I was obviously allowed to drink legally. So I became more open to having conversations about it and obviously drinking more of these beers and Uh, I was bartending for a long time. When I turned 21, I started bartending. I went from serving to bartending. And even before I was bartending, I was very suggestive. I was, uh, just based on what I had heard from from other people, I was very suggestive. I would do a lot of suggestive selling. And I had a lot of people tell me, wow, that's exactly how you described it. And then, of course, I got around Mm. to trying these beers. And I was told by many people that I had an innate ability to describe these beers. Okay. And that's kind of how I got into um, you know doing what I do online with my page uh, which has led me to where I am today. Um, So I worked at a a place called Chuck's Barbecue in Darien, it was featured on uh, Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Okay. Um, it was also featured on Chicago's Best. It's some really, really great uh, Cajun slash barbecue food, Southern comfort t- style food. Okay. Phenomenal food. Okay. And of course, they have some some good beer to pair with it. So that was my first uh, bartending, real bartending job, and uh, that's really where I, I got into a lot of the craft beers that are out there today, and a lot of the brands that are relevant. Sure. Um, so after that, I had worked at a place called uh, the Brass Tap in Orland Park, which was voted the number one craft beer bar in the state two years running um, at, the, at the time that I had started there. And they had 60 craft beers on tap, um, over 200 cans and bottles. And I remember walking in and said, this is my wonderland. <laughs> this is exactly where I want to be. Uh, so. I I furthered my, my, for lack of a better term, just interest in in the industry by working at a place like that, and I was, you know, I had more confidence shot up my ass by people saying, oh my God, you you know, you described this exactly how you said, it's phenomenal. Um, You know, whenever I would take care of bar guests or tables, they would... I would have regulars to a point where they would say, just bring me whatever, you know they what I like. They trust yeah. I would have people completely trust me, which is so strange because we live in a day and age now where people are very choosy with how they spend their money, mm-hmm. and craft beer is expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not cheap. So the fact that somebody would trust me to bring them something that they like gave me a whole world of confidence that uh, caused me to start the page that I have, the Shy Beer Guy page. And uh, the reason that I started that was because of those people so I I started doing live reviews on a weekly basis where I would try beers for the first time and I, I would try them live on Facebook and Instagram and um, I loved I always loved doing it live I had a couple of people ask me right off the bat like why don't you edit these videos and so I, well because then I can't bullshit you mm. You know, I'm, yeah, being, yeah, you know yeah. I'm being honest and I'm being authentic. Right. So right.
0: even on, like nonverbal subtle cues, they're like, oh, the face he made.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are things that that factor in. Um, but overall, that's that's kind of how I got my start. And then I was uh, approached by the company that I'm with now via my social media channels. Yeah. Really? OK, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, they had said, you know, you're exactly the type of person that we want. you know your beer. Um, it seems like you're passionate about it, I said, yes, absolutely. And that's kind of how I got my start in the industry. Interesting.
0: Yeah, because my next question was going to be, like, why this position? You know, like, so did you do any research before they, after they reached out, like, about this position and what it entailed, and and did, after doing it for a couple weeks, like, did the, did it meet your expectations?
1: Um, well, no, and then yes. So... Um, I didn't do any research because I knew what the job entailed. Okay. I was I was accustomed to seeing uh, reps come sure. in and out yeah. of the bars that I had worked at, and I always, uh, you know, idly again, I'm, I'm I'm an eavesdropper when it comes to things I'm interested mm-hmm. in. Uh, it sounds terrible, but I was I would always listen in on the conversations between reps and uh, the buyer at, at my stores that I worked at, mm. and. Um, I, I kind of just got it. I got it. Like I understood okay. right away. Like okay. what what it took to to do that, and it was everything that I was, generally generally everything that I was already equipped with. Sure. I, th- I think the the only thing that I had to adjust to, um, after starting the job, uh, was just the general flow, of right, of, right. of work because I went from you know working for somebody else to essentially kind of being my own boss. Like okay. On a day-to-day basis it's up to me to work you know i i have to be the one sending the emails i have to be the one you know creating my schedule for the day i have to be the one you know just doing my job right uh, yeah. there's nobody looking over my shoulder there's nobody of course i have uh, a supervisor that i that i answer to and communicate with but uh there's there's nobody there to hold your hand it's it's kind of oh, wow. you know you get thrown to the wolves and you're, you're either good at it and you do it or you don't do it um so what's what's
0: the day-to-day like then it's a lot of running around right so you said you plan your day and then how do you do you do it like um with the potential buyers that you think would take the longest and then go easiest or start easy and and build some momentum and then go i think it
1: depends on the stage that i'm in 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 the buying relationship so um what happens is, is we take notes. Um, I take notes on an Excel sheet, and uh, when I go into a particular account, for example, uh, this is one of my accounts, Bitter Pops, right here in the city on yeah. Lincoln Avenue. I'll come in here and I'll speak to Megan, and I say, I say hey, you know, this is what I have for the week, you know, blah, 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 whatever. She'll tell me what she's interested in. If she's not interested in anything, I always ask her why she's not interested, uh, just so I know, uh, so I have something to reference next time I come back. So I make sure to take those notes mm-hmm. and um, put them in the Excel sheet, and then I move on to my next account. Hmm. So a lot of it is a lot of diligent note taking. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of tedious work, and definitely a lot of running around. I do a lot, I do like an ungodly amount of driving. Okay. Throughout the okay. day, depending on my area, I have two different territories. Uh, one of them is is luckily in the West Loop, so I'll just park and walk everywhere because everything's walking distance. Oh, uh, but with my more suburban accounts and accounts that I've had for a while, um, I generally will drive to those accounts, make sure I speak to them in person. And every buyer is different, too. That's the, that's the hard part about this job, and that's what people should know, is that you have to be conscientious that you're doing business with people, and each, per, each individual person is different, mm. and, you know, that person might like you, or they like, not like you at all, like, and sometimes it doesn't have to do with anything, and sometimes it, you know, it's, it's because they just don't want to see a rep that day, or, you know, there are tons of different factors into having this type of relationship with uh, a a buyer. Okay. So, for, forgive Uh, my
0: ignorance, and you said you work for a distribution company, does that mean that that company carries multiple breweries? Correct. Okay. Now... Could you just work for a brewery if you wanted to? Do they have sales reps for? Yeah, right. Brand yeah, reps?
1: Um, a lot of breweries out there are are independent. They do independent distribution. Okay. Self distro is what they call it, self distribution. Yeah. Um, and there are there are some that opt out and you know sign a contract with with a distributor, use their resources and get their product to more places. Okay. But the interesting thing about the industry and this is what makes it so fascinating right now, and it's what it's also what makes it. Uh, so volatile is that there is there is this weird value around around exclusivity Mm. and around uh, smaller independent brewers I mean I I think I just said it right there I think the key word is exclusivity people want what they can't have right people want what they is not readily available for the people that are of course heavily interested in the craft beer industry Mm. So it's very interesting to see how that affects the distro side as well because there is this weird kind of uh, purgatory with a lot of consumers where some like the larger brands that are readily available. And, and most, from what I've seen, and this is my just my... Obviously, just my opinion and my experience with dealing with people online and dealing with buyers and other consumers from working this job is that it, it's it's just not overall. It's just not it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of went off the rails there. I'm, I'm I'm not sure where I was going with that, but remind me again your original question You're, you asked me what my day to day was and you said
0: yeah I mean why, you, I think you did a good job like why not um, work for if you put like phase three or hot butcher or like a specific brewery like why work for a distribution it, company
1: my personal answer to that and the reason I took this job is, was to learn okay um, I, I took this job to learn about this side of the industry because like I said I'm so fascinated with the, yeah. with the business side um, you know and I wanted to see how la- a larger although it's a small startup company it's definitely larger than a, a self-distro brewery um, I wanted to see how the larger side operated mm. and uh, how we fared in the market the way it is today So that was really, really interesting to me. It was, I I took it as a, as a learning experience and the great thing about me doing this job is I can take these skills that I have and, you know, who knows in 10 years when I'm, you know, when my interests change, if they do, and I can take these skills and apply them to another area of business in this same exact industry. The thing is, is the beer industry is so communal and Everybody works with each other and there are a lot of things that coincide in terms of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry I'm blanking right now, oh, you're you can edit this part out. Um, there are a lot of skills that coincide, so in other words if you, if you start at one point in the craft beer industry, if you work at a bottle shop for example. Sure. You can take that knowledge from working at the bottle shop and you can just as easily apply it, what you've learned there, to this type of job okay. and vice versa. Okay, okay. Um, because the industry is so communal and because it, there's, there's a lot of value around uh, marketing. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people in the online space in the beer community. Right, right, right. And right. there's a lot of information out there. Right. Um,
0: so what's the ratio breakdown between... Buyers that you've built a relationship with, and then new, completely new buyers.
1: How do you mean? Do you, do, well, you, right.
0: do you do you do you do any cold calling or cold approaches to bottle shops or other other restaurants or liquor stores? Sure, right. Nat-
1: naturally. Um, okay. So w- when I started, I was I was given. Uh, A list of accounts to go to and and naturally some get weeded out because it's not the right fit okay or uh, they just don't want to buy or whatever Uh, so those are things that happen all the time sure so naturally you have to filter in some some other accounts so you have to start that relationship over Um, so there is yeah cold calling is definitely part of the job Um, it's not it's not a fun thing to do because Mm -hmm. they're you know, a lot of times you get misinterpreted and you don't necessarily get all the information you want. I mean, most of it when, you, when you're when you starting out, if you're cold calling, is just getting the information for the buyer and trying to get into contact. Mm-hmm. And, and I swear, that's probably my biggest pet peeve is with the job is sometimes if I call into a, a restaurant, for example, and I say you know, is so-and-so available, and they say, oh, no, they're not available, and I say, well, do they have an email I can reach them at? a phone number, no. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, so they don't have a business card? Oh, well, they do. Okay, uh, so that's what I'm looking for. What's the information on the yeah. business card? It's very strange, uh, and it's not like that everywhere. So it's, have you it's felt like... It's
0: just a p- tedious little... It, it, right. Like maybe going in person is better then?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I always believe in that because I like to show my face yeah. and, and I feel like I'm, I'm a pretty expressive person. Yeah. You know, Especially when I talk about what I'm interested in. Right. It, of course. It's, it's easy to tell. Yeah. You know? So when I sit down with a person, with a buyer, potential buyer, um, they can see in my face that not only do I know what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm serious about having an authentic working relationship. Whereas if I'm just calling them, they can't really see that expression on my face. Yeah. So it, it's hard to convey that through tone of voice. You know, a lot of a lot of times you'll just get rushed off the phone. For sure. Or you know, you'll how, get, yeah. How have you dealt with
0: getting no as an answer? Um, how have I dealt
1: with it? It's funny.
0: Like, have um, you have you become like numb to it now? Or or just used to it?
1: Yeah. I've, yeah. I've I've absolutely. Become used to it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say numb, okay. because you know, obviously most of the time I, w- I want to make a sale and I want to make a you know oh, yeah, make a person right. happy right, happy right. and um, I, you know I, it just comes with the territory. It comes with any sales job. You have to be able to take no. You don't take it personally. No, no, not not at all. I try to I try to understand why. Yeah, and I think uh, I think. <laughs> I think that's where I get. Uh, that's where a lot of re- relationships can go south because some buyers just want to say, "No, I don't want to buy." I'm trying to see it from and they their don't perspective, though. It. Right, exactly. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of context. Right. There's, I mean, there's a, I'm in a reason for everything, you know, just. Tell me what it is. I'm I'm an easy person to communicate to. I'm i one thing that I say when whenever speaking to a potential buyer, I I say you know I'm, I'm real easy to do business with mm-hmm. as long as we're honest with each other. You know there's there's no reason that we can't do business or we can't at least communicate what we both want to get from the situation or don't want to get. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. It's all about honesty, and that's why I say that I'm bad at sales. It's because. Again, I don't want to sound too salesy, and I don't like um, I don't like the perception of I don't like being perceived that, as as a sales rep. As I don't like someone being who's perceived something. as somebody that's just trying to make money. I mean, I don't mm. do this to make money. I do this because I like fear, and I believe in it, mm. and I believe there is a solution for everything. So, uh, another thing that comes with the job is. You know, it's not just making sales and then you leave. You know, there are sometimes you have to offer some sort of value proposition for them to want to buy your product. So you you'll say, yeah, if you if you buy this, we can put some signage up in here, get it moving a little bit quicker. If you want to do some sort of an event around it, I'll come. I'll do a tasting. I'll talk to people. I'll, oh. You know, things of that sort. So. You know there there's a lot of uh, problem-solving skills that are necessary for this job as well yeah Um, that's cool changes it up yeah yeah definitely and and I think that's where I find a lot of joy is uh, again finding finding the reason why they don't want to buy or why they're hesitant and and trying to come up with a solution do the buyers ever ask
0: um, why from you why not directly from the brewery or why not from another distributor Um, Do they usually care about that stuff? Well, no. uh, Or or is it rates, like what the cost is and things like that? I wonder if different distributors have different costs to the buyers. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, they they obviously do. Um, You know, a larger distributor will have a a little Ah. bit more leeway with their pricing than a smaller distributor would or a self-distro brewery. Right. Because... The thing about self-distro is they're they're doing it themselves. Typically, usually because they don't have the funds to, you know, work with a distributor. Yeah. They they don't have the the necessary equipment to to uh, keep up with that level of production of their product. Yeah. So, you know. It, it's all really fascinating to me, and my mind like this is, this is why I'm so passionate about it. I mean, my mind is going a million miles an hour right now. There's so many things that I want to talk about and mention. I know, but it's like it's 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 getting all jumbled up in my head. So, your 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 question was, do buyers ask? Yeah, about do they care about that stuff? Like, no, I think because most of them, they just care about they, moving they the know, product. They they know how. Distribution works. If you're in a buyer position, you generally know how distribution okay. works. Okay, okay. You know. So, and that's not to say that there aren't some that will ask you a question that makes you kind of scratch your head. Mm. Uh, but most people in that position know what they're getting into, and they they know how distribution works. So that's never really in question. Okay. Um, you said earlier that you
0: you want to believe you want to. You want to sell things that you believe in, that you that you back, and you, you would put your name on, right? Yeah. Um, working for a distribution company, you have, like, or, or even, I mean, I think more so for a distribution company, you don't really have say into what
1: products you're pushing. Correct. Um, well, actually, I, I'll correct myself there. I, I do offer some feedback to the company owners, and uh-huh. I, I think they value my feedback in terms of, uh, what brands I think are good, and um, you know what what styles I, I think are good coming out of you know our breweries or you know other breweries we 're all the, the good thing is we all like beer right you know we can talk about it, we can nerd out about it if we mm-hmm. wanted to um, I think but at, yeah, at the end of the day it 's not our uh, it 's not my choice as to what brands are being brought on board, however, I have uh, gotten the green light from you know like company owners um to of course drop a card at a a brewery if i think that they're worthy of Mm. of, you know uh, coming on coming on board and being part of our portfolio and um Mm. i think that's where we differentiate ourselves or we like to say we differentiate ourselves from the rest of the distributors out there is that we have a natural understanding of what types of brands have what it takes to have longevity in this type of industry.
0: Okay. That's really cool. So that's the other side of it. It's not just selling to the buyers, but it's also bringing on new clients that you want to distribute and help get their name out
1: as well. That's really cool. That that whole thing is a process. I mean, it's all a process. To get another brewery on board, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to rush them you know you want it to be on their terms want to make sure they're they're happy because they are the the supplier they're the ones that are you know they're the ones that are making the decision to I mean it's a big business decision to to go from self-distro or no distribution to working with a distributor Mm. it's a huge business decision from a brewery owner or brewers perspective okay Uh, reason being is because they have to consider um, the amount of production changes that that has to happen. What new equipment they need to do so. Um, also, what would happen to their brand if they put it out into the into the market with all these other brands? They have to have the right pieces in place in in order for them to to do that and be successful. Mm. How? What are your
0: thoughts on those that are self distributing right now, and that they might you know give a sneak peek on Social media, like, hey, we're about to drop this in certain liquor stores on this day. Has that bitten them in the ass, like, or has it produced so much hype that it would sell out relatively quickly?
1: Um, I would, I would go, I would say the second option. I mean, it, it's definitely helped their their brand. In, like I said, such a volatile market, exclusivity sells. Yeah. So for self distributors. I think they're they're benefiting from it. They might they might not be benefiting from it on a grand scale, but they're benefit they're benefiting from it based on um, what they gain in terms of uh, brand building, brand yeah. awareness. Yeah, and that's what I mean. We're in a brand building world. We're in a brand giving right. world. I mean, this is it's it's all about branding. Right. I mean, that's the that's.
0: That's it. <laughs> yeah, and like when they do decide to scale up, it's hard to not get lost in the weeds. Like right now, if they are self distributing, you kind of have something special on your hands, and 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 people like yesterday, I like legit dropped eighty dollars on four four packs. It's insane how expensive beer is nowadays. It's nuts. It's um, absolutely nuts. But like phase three and Hot Butcher and and I think tr- I picked up Transient as well. Like they they've been doing really well, and like it's hard to keep up with how good these beers are and I have to tell myself like oh it's okay I'll just get the next one like this this it'll be fine like and um so it's it's cool really cool to see that and I wonder if when they are able to scale up if they'll actually decide to or if they'll just remain remain like in a focused specific
1: niche see they're only and and everything I just said obviously is my you know right it's just speculation like I don't I don't I don't actually know that for sure because I'm not part of their business so I don't know how well they're doing or You know they're not doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on what I perceive, um, obviously they're they're doing well because they're selling out of their product. They're building brand and awareness, and that's what you do in this this technological, social media type age. This this era that we're living in. Um, Does that mean that? Does that necessarily mean that if they went the uh, large scale distribution route, that it would kill their brand? No, because if they kept up the, and again, this is my opinion, if they kept up their marketing efforts and did it um, in a way and with a speed mm-hmm. that moves with the way the beer industry moves online, then they can continue building brand and okay. awareness. Um, again, I think that this is a game of, if you are a brewer or an owner, I think this is a game of having the right Pillars in place, yeah, to ensure longevity in the industry. And I can't say it enough. Right, branding and marketing are huge because right. you can have good liquid, but if nobody knows about it, right, what are you gonna do? Or you can have, you know, moderate liquid that most people like, maybe not everybody but you have rock star branding, you have rock star uh, marketing team or, or putting forth marketing efforts in, in a rock star way, then you will do a lot better than the self-distro brewery that makes phenomenal liquid that doesn't do any sort of brand building marketing. Do you think influencers are underutilized on social media for breweries? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I would say that they are underutilized because there are a lot of influencers out there, and there's, there's such a stigma around the word influencer. Even now. like
0: micro-influencers, it doesn't have to be like hundreds of thousands of followers. I
1: think it, and I've said this before, and I, I will say this to any brewery owner or brewery. Uh, uh, brewer, is that it, it's about the type of content that that said influencer or content creator is putting out. If they're putting out informative, uh, valuable content to the consumer, then that's who you want to invest in. If they're just posting pictures with, with uh, shitty captions saying, tried this beer, it was good, and they get a bunch of likes on it, I mean, that's, that's not going to help you in the long run. Yeah. It's not. I mean, granted, they might have a lot of likes and it might get seen, but does it have a resonant effect? and that's one of those nuances in, in that space, in the influencer space, is those nuances. Are they giving the consumer something valuable? I like to say that I give something valuable when I do the live reviews because it's authentic, it's real time, and I draw comparisons to uh, price point. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I give it's it's all opinion-based, but I like to draw that comparison because it's so expensive, and in my opinion, In my opinion expectations are everything when it comes to beer if you tell somebody that you're going to have their mr planner's peanut ipa and it doesn't taste like peanuts as much as you want it to then they're going to be super disappointed but if i jump on live and i say oh it tastes it tastes like peanuts but it's a moderate moderate amount of peanuts with a slight bit of earthiness slight bit of saltiness at the end but you still get that ipa bitterness you know what have you whatever i you know, whatever I come up with, um, then that's going to be more resonant for that person because they know what to expect before making the purchase decision. Right. Uh, right, right. And that's a big deal.
0: Do, how many eyes are on the app untapped
1: and are are there
0: influencers on untapped that breweries can market? Like, do you think that's a smarter move to tap that, those influencers rather than Instagram?
1: Um, no because it's it's not very modern the app is not very modern and I actually spoke with a um, an associate uh, somebody that works in in the office of untapped who said that they're working on like an influencer program Um, but I don't think I haven't seen a whole lot of, of influencers on there because there's not a whole lot of room for variated content it's, it's a picture-only, yeah. picture only, review-only right. platform, and it's it's meant for the masses. Um, I, myself, don't use it a whole lot because, okay. A, I, I remember every beer that I drink. I don't. So that's my log. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a log for a lot of people, and that right, makes sense. Right. I, I can remember if I've had it or not. I can't tell you what I thought about it. Okay. So that's what it's probably good for, to remember what you thought about it, but... I, I don't think that there's any value from a, from a brewer owner's perspective because okay. there's not a whole lot of room for variated content. Sure, sure, All you get is, is pictures and a couple word reviews. Okay.
0: I got you. I got you. Um, within your circle of um, other craft beer specialists, how many... Like, what's the average turnover rate for a specialist?
1: Um,
0: are there people that are making careers out of it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I've seen and met some people that have been doing this for a long time and I've seen and met some people that have been doing this for you know, a moderate amount of time. Are they loving it Those long,
0: long timers. Um, uh,
1: <laughs> or is it <this> the job? <laughs> <laughs> The child? <laughs> those people that I, that I speak to and it variates, uh, it varies, I should say. It, I, I think it depends. Um, I think a lot of them are disgruntled or mm. just tired. I mean, because it's sales. It's sales. You okay. get per- You get burned out. Like it. It's easy to get burned out. No matter what. If, if you're in sales, you've experienced a burnout at one time or another. It's right. just about how quick you bounce back. Okay. You know. So, as far as those people go, you know, I think they've been in it for such a long time that they've seen so much change in the industry. It's probably hard for them to keep up. Uh, it just depends on how much they love the industry it depends on how much they love beer sure and it can't really be I can't really speculate too much on that because you know somebody could very much uh, you know very well like uh, beer a whole lot and be have been a a craft beer sales rep in the industry for a long time but they don't their their demeanor is is just different because they've been doing the job for a while so i I, i'll chalk it up to to each their own sure every individual is different um just depends on how passionate they are how excited they are if they believe there is opportunity and i think that's a big thing too is, is believing the opportunity seeing the opportunity uh while doing this job because if you're if you're not looking forward to uh you know a new style coming out from one of your brands or or having a new brand on board and you're not looking forward to the opportunity I and mean, if you're not looking forward to the opportunity yes, then what's the point yeah, exactly yeah. so <laughs> i i mean that's that's all i have to say about that i would force going for I'm for those that, all i have to say about yeah.
0: that. what where do people usually go after this if they're if they're moving on
1: I've seen a lot of bouncing around. I've seen um, some people run away with this type of job and move higher up in the company. I've seen most uh, reps jump over to a brewery or a business ownership position where they own their own craft beer bottle shop or, or a bar restaurant or what have you. Oh, wow. Um, again, I think, and going back to my earlier point, I think that kind of... Uh, it goes with what I said about the industry coinciding w- with one another, with, with itself, essentially, is that you can take these skills anywhere. You can really yeah. do anything that you want to. It just depends on your preferences and what your goals are. Okay. Um, for example, um, I I myself would love to, to open up a bar restaurant one day because I have experience in that field, and, um, you know, I, I think... Um, i've got a couple ideas about you know innovating in the craft beer industry slash bar restaurant industry and creating something really cool um and also i love the idea of uh, hospitality in addition to that beer and food goes great together
0: yeah it's it's like
1: the best pair obviously you know wine does too but beer and food there are so many different combinations the different the difference between wine and beer and there 's probably a lot of wine enthusiasts that will get really angry at me for saying this, but to me and to most people that, that aren 't a fanatic of wine there 's red and there 's white and there 's like rose i 'm sure there's some categories within those styles, and there 's probably right. other other styles i don 't know much about wine, so like again, this is only my opinion but there are so many different styles of beer with a plethora of different flavor profiles that it's it's truly remarkable how many combinations there are between food and beer. And, and I, I'm sure there's, again, I'm sure Same there's, thing for wine. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's the same thing. But there are, I, I think the difference is there's a lot of definitive, uh, there's a lot of different definitive styles. But just as anybody else, um, some people might not know that, You know, so again, all speculation. I I try not to speak about what uh, I try to only speak about what I know for sure, and what my theories are. Um, But I don't want to take I don't want anybody to take it as law because this industry is ever changing. And but I I mean, undoubtedly, beer and food go great together.
0: Right, right, right. Um, For those that want to get into the beer scene um, professionally this is i would say from what i've gathered in this interview like this is a good entry is it an entry level level position to get into and get your feet
1: wet in the industry um or,
0: or do you need some know-how before you get in
1: I, i'd say you ha- you have to have some skills okay. you, you'd have to know what you're talking about um if 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 you don't know about beer you better have some rock star salesman skills and um I think a good entry-level position would be at a bottle shop or craft beer bar. Okay. Um, That would be the best way to start, so you can familiarize yourself with the different brands out there. You can try things when you work at a at a place like that. You can try things and try them for free, and not have to you know unload your wallet. Um, With this job, you have to have an understanding of. Uh, the way you definitely have to have an understanding of the way uh, the business of bars and restaurants and uh, retail shops work. Okay. Okay. Um, you also, you know, obviously should have at least some sort of beer knowledge. Yeah. You know, the general styles, um, most, most companies will require uh, a Cicerone certification.
0: Oh, what is that? Cicerone.
1: Cicerone is is the um, it's like the certification that you can get for oh, well, beer knowledge. There's a couple oh. different levels. You know, the the level one is what most people are required to have if they have this type of job, oh. which is um, a certified beer server is what they call it. And then you go all the way up to basically like a master or advanced. Advanced, I think is the I think that's the okay. um, fourth level okay and through this job now
0: though you've probably met some very interesting people and in addition to the buyers yes so have you i mean i'm not thinking i'm thinking of like brewers right so over time i'm sure these brewers want to make their own name for themselves and they want to branch out and things like that and i mean the the one thing that one person that comes to mind is sean from phase three um someone like that, do you think, like, maybe five, ten years down the line, and I think the answer is yes for you, um, to approach you and partner up and kind of open up your own kind of tap room, in a way, but, and you'll handle, like, the business side of it, and they'll handle, like, maybe the the brewing side of it. Okay. Is that, is it kind of ideal for you, like, later down the line?
1: Um, I I mean, that would be cool. I, I think, uh, again, I think there are so many there's so many options with this industry particularly with me I, I, I again I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist I'm, I'm a big believer in opportunity and this industry has so much opportunity if you understand how it works and what it takes to win um, so I uh, ideally that would be cool yeah I think that would be cool but I think you're not I holding would, your I, breath I, though yeah right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I think I would like to to see something like that. I, I would like to see it out myself uh, because that's that's a lot of what brewers do. Brewing brewing is hard work. Yeah, it's like really it's like labor. It's like hard. I mean, you have to clean the tanks. You've got a there's so much cleaning involved in that job. It's kind of ludicrous, um, and it's and it's like heavy lifting and it's hard work. It's labor work. You mm-hmm. know, it's not all fun and games and like. Yeah, you get to sell your brand and your beer signs. Right. Okay. You have a brewery, cool. Woo-hoo. But right. Right. It's it's tough work. So taking that same, you know, that same mentality, I I, I want to take that same mentality to me opening up my own potential bar restaurant oh, slash bottle shop. Okay, okay. Okay. Because there are a lot of hardworking people in this industry, yeah. and the people that are doing well and have created great brands or a, you know a great business those are hard working people and I respect that a lot mm-hmm. so I want to pay homage to that by you know doing my part as well I, like I don't want any shortcuts mm-hmm. You know, somebody came up to me and said you know we should do this you know yada yada whatever um, I'll, I'll provide the funding you know that would be cool and nobody really knows what they would do in that situation until they're in it but ideally, I, w- I would like to work for that myself because I, again, I disrespect the industry so much and how hard those that have yeah, worked. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, worked. I
0: wasn't saying that like anything was handed to you, but um, you would just obviously have like a 50 buy buy-in into it. And I'm, I'm, sure there's gonna be more than two people in it. But I'm just, because um, I know that you're you're more interested in the branding and the business side. So like, I think that'd be a dynamic duo. Like, like yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. As far as opening up my own brewery, okay. um, I, I don't, I kind of don't want to go that route. Okay, um, and I've been pretty adamant about that. Um, with you know choosing, you know a, a a job as well. You know from from job to job, I, I like seeing and experiencing all different brands because that's okay. what. I mean, that's just what I love about the right, industry. Right, 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 um, right. So if I confine myself to one brand, then my whole life becomes that brand. And it's not like I, I can't try other brands or, you know, what have you. I, I'm just worried about what, uh, you know, and this is a very rare occasion where I worry about what people think. But I worry about... Um, people getting the wrong impression of me for example when, when I do live reviews because I'm going to do those for the rest of my life Yeah, I love I love doing that I love I mean I drink beer on a daily basis I love trying all different styles and brands and that's that's what I love so I don't basically I, I'm eliminating that brand from uh, the possibility of me ever reviewing their beer and I don't really like that so I try to i try to be uh what, inclusive uh, what's the word i'm looking for like a facilitator for all brands to uh, okay. showcase their product yes so i think a bar restaurant slash bottle shop would be the best way for me to exhibit what that to
0: what volume. neighborhood you said south side what neighborhood in the south side
1: um i currently live in oakland i grew up oh, okay. in um in a town called ashburn uh, It's technically chicago is not too far from from Oakland. Um, so, for, for example, um, how often
0: do you go to hell Store?
1: Actually, it's been a while since I've been there. Um, I, I'd say my frequenter is my frequenting brewery is my backyard breweries. It's uh, Open Outcry on 109th and Western. Okay. And Horse Thief Hollow. Okay. And 105th and Western. Oh, right. So Open Outcry opened up uh in 2017 shout out to john brand john brand is one of the best business owners that i know period he's a phenomenal guy uh works really hard he, he understands what it takes to to win you know he's got a great social media presence he's doing innovative things there um and if you see him he's you you'd recognize him if, if i if i if, if I we pointed drove past, him out, yeah. right, right, right. If I pointed him out, I said, "That's John Brand." You'd always remember him. He's a big, tall guy, bald guy, um, but he walks around every table, you know, in in, in the brewery, and makes make sure everybody's having a good time, and you know, is, is open to feedback, and, and he's just a probably the, one of the best business owners that I know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so I love that place. So, do you think it's the market in in Oakland? is pretty saturated or do you would you like to open up shop around that area
1: I've thought about it um but just in just like in any business location is key yeah so obviously somewhere in the city would be great because there there's nowhere in the state that competes with craft brew sales on the city yes um so ideally the city would be the best place for me if I if I couldn't pick anywhere in the city um um, or even close to the city then i think oakland would be a good option and i thought about it before because there aren't a whole lot of places in the area that uh that are open that have you know a craft beer element to them mm-hmm. um, i mean you've got deja brew which is a, a great bar restaurant they've got a ton of tap handles um, you've got a local binny's right down the street so that would be competition um, but other than that, there's not really a whole lot of uh, craft beer spots around there. I'd, I'd say the closest, the two closest places would be the Open Bottle in Tinley and Crafted in 1979, which is in Malkina, which are, they're both um, 20 miles away.
0: Right. 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 What are the profit margins in a bar restaurant for,
1: for the beer? Um, typically run like 30%. Oh, it's uh, higher than I thought, actually. Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, bars and restaurants make a, uh, they should at least make a decent amount of money on their craft beer sales, um, but that that's generated to cover overhead costs, of course. And uh, at the end of the day, they they realistically make, depending on the place, about at least half of that back. Okay. So that of that thirty percent, half. Okay. My profit.
0: understanding, I thought it was a little lower. So then that adds to their hesit, like them being hesitant to bring on new, new drinks, new beers.
1: Yeah, if the price point isn't uh, friendly enough, um, if the price point isn't friendly enough to uh, be correlated with their their demographic. Yes. Then they're not going to buy. Which is a which is a struggle because there there is a way to curate your demographic your clientele to be accustomed to those type of things but not have to entirely commit to it but there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of closed mindedness again and it's it, a lot of it has to do with buyers being beaten down by seeing so many different reps unless you're working at a place like this where this is your job and you have to see reps all the time if I go to a normal bar restaurant or a dive bar or what have you it's it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle because I have to come up with ways that they can sell my beer if they buy it. Yeah. Even though that should technically be their job. Right. Uh, right? It, makes, yeah. it makes sense, though, at the same time, because I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to put somebody in a, in a bad situation, and again, that's why I say that I suck at sales. Because but I think long-term, that'll pay, that'll pay off for you. I, I they, think they so, too. They respect your honesty. I think so, too. Um, I'm, again, I'm a big believer in relationships. I want to give people what they want, but I want to I give it to them in a realistic fashion. So, in other words, I know when somebody is, is just trying to get something out of me. Um, and I also know when when somebody just they genu- genuinely need a little bit of help oh okay so I think striking that balance is also very important for this job because you just have to you have to understand who you 're talking to again and that goes back to my earlier point which is you 're dealing with people each individual person is different you kind of have to feel them out and that 's with any sales guy so uh, it, it it's cool, I, I like that about sales, um, I also dislike it about sales, it's, it's very much a, a love-hate relationship and that's not a bad thing, it's not a bad thing at all, I mean you think about love-hate, that's, they're polarizing, polarizing things and that, you know, those are, in, in between, there has to be some balance, you yeah. know, I can't, I can't love my job all the time because eventually just like, I mean, any human being would... That they'd eventually burn out to the point where they're never going to go back again and right. I don't want to be that right, right. it's healthy for me as as a sales rep to uh, vent my frustrations or uh, think about them write them down i I keep a, a little black book that I write in every single day oh good yeah, yeah yeah and I write a quote for the day and this is just something that i've i've kind of always done for the last like three to four years wow is that I'll write down a quote for the day I write down um, whatever I'm thinking about my day ahead of me or my past day or the previous day and then I also write uh, my biggest fear and I write what I want to learn for that Mm. day and that has become a huge outlet for me to keep my sanity with this job because there yeah I mean there are a lot of no's and there's, you know, a, a fair amount, just as, you know, just as many yeses. But those no's hurt way worse than those Even yeses though feel good. Even you tell yourself good. not
0: to take it personally.
1: It's yeah, like I still, mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's still, it's, it still sucks. Um, but you take it with a grain of salt. You have to. Uh, um, I I don't have any more <laughs> questions. <laughs>
0: So, I mean, what's, what do you think is next? What's next for, for you? And I'd like to hear your take on, on the craft beer industry in five to ten years.
1: Um, like I said, if, if, if anybody could pull anything from this podcast, uh, the one thing about the craft beer industry, and I've been laughed at by brewers and owners for saying this, even though they know... I'm right and this is something I can confidently say is not speculation it's based on my experience in the industry and what I've seen because I spend a lot of time in the online space um, marketing and branding is huge it is the reason that your business in this industry will either thrive or die again there are so many breweries out there that are that make good beer but are not on Instagram, not on facebook and if they are they 're not updating it avidly they're not uh, they 're not being creative with their their content it's it 's very stale and um, a lot of brewers and owners that i 've spoken to say things like oh i don 't have the time you know i don 't have the funding i don 't have this i don 't have that." you know cell phones are free you have one Mm. it's that's literally all you need to create content there are apps out there you can edit videos you can you can do all sorts of different content with different apps or Mm -hmm. you know just take photos it's just about seeing it as an investment of your time that is going to better your business in a way that you can't even imagine yeah because the sheer fact that we can that if I'm a business owner, I can reach directly into your pocket and demand your attention is remarkable. It's amazing. That has never been done in the history of mankind. It's truly, it's really cool. Yeah. So thinking about attention, thinking about marketing and branding, those are those are the things that you should focus on other than, of course, making the liquid and the general goings on learnings of your of your business that is where your future is okay. um,
0: I guess we can talk about social media in a little bit um, what which demographic do you think has on your page has been the most engaging is it is it on the consumer level is it other craft beer specialists that relate to what you're talking about? Or is it brewers? Who, who's paying attention? Consumers.
1: Consumers. It's, it's a consumer world. That Those are the people that are that are on social media. Yeah. Those are the people. I mean, we're all consumers. Right, right, you know, right. We're all consumers one way or another. As far as people in that space, there's a lot of consumers. Posting their beers, what they're trying. Even if they don't post beers, they'll still follow people that, that post about it. Right. Follow breweries, follow influencers. It's, it's, it's all... Again, attention-based, you know, you're, you're grabbing at the attention of consumers, you know. So as far as engagement on, on my page goes, I get a lot of engagement from consumers who are trying to relate to me based on the beers that I'm trying and drinking and talking about. And um, they share with me their beer adventures. That's what I like to call it, beer adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, they share those with me or they'll, they'll give me suggestions on what to try. They'll say, hey, I had this. You should try it, or I would compare this to that, or you know, it's 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 a hobby for some. It's it's enjoyable for most, but either way, we're we're all consumers, and those people are all consumers, and you know, it, it's about demanding their attention.
0: How often have you come across someone that that is? is not familiar with beer at all but but you know that and they've expressed that they they're interested they just don't know where to start where would you what, what direction would you point those people in
1: um i would say start with what you like and and vary slowly okay what if they've never had
0: what if they're just used to the commercial stuff like millilite and, and Coors and coronas
1: again i would still say start with what you like and by i say with what you like i mean stylistically right. i don't mean brand wise i mean stylistically because you can't you can't start with a brand that you already know
0: so are there, there there are levels to this do they like acquire the taste of a beer and then acquire the taste of an ipa and then like are, do you go you, is it is there's it a turn-off like, to go straight into like the double dry hop or the triple but like IPA? And no,
1: not if they like it. I mean, like, to, to each their own. Like I said, yeah. but most people, the way they start, and I've started this way as well, and, and a lot of experienced beer drinkers can agree with this, is there there is uh, the spectrum of craft beer life, is what I like to call it. It's you start here, you start with your domestics and your, you know, your Bud Light, your Coors Light, your Miller Light, you know, your High Life, whatever. Um, which I still drink High Life. I love High Life. We're not too good for High Life. No, no, champagne of beers, man. <laughs> A lot of brewers actually drink High Life all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. It's cheap and it's you know it's light, it's easy. So starts here with your domestics, brew, uh, Coors Light, Bud Light, whatever, and then you vary it slowly. You turn into uh, you start with with you know, craft, like, lagers, craft pilsners, so still the same style as those okay. domestics, but they're made by craft breweries, so there's a little bit more love put into it, a little bit more ingredients, more time. Mm. Um, I, I think that, between those styles, that, that's the one thing to pull away, between a craft lager and, you know, just a domestic lager, is that they are, they have more quality ingredients. Mm. So you're also less likely to get a hangover off Craft loggers and you I are. Know that. Wait, why? Yeah. So what, what's
0: the what's the reason being is um,
1: Bud Light, for example, um, and I don't think Coors Light does it. Miller Light, I think they do add some, but Bud Light uh, is made with rice. Oh, it's a rice yeah. lager. So um, there's something. There's an active ingredient in rice when it's fermented in the beer. From my understanding, is that um, it. it just gives people a hang of it. Oh no you know, way! I scientifically, okay. I can't break it down for right, you. Right, It's right, just uh, a, a, something that I've learned. Um, so, it, the difference is, is a lot of craft bloggers don't use rice. Um, again, more quality ingredients, a little bit more time, more love, more care, um, and also, you know, quality control. You know, I'm sure, you know, Miller, Miller, Bud, Coors, they all, you know, go through quality control testing, but. There's no quality control, no better quality control than that of an independent brewer who's trying to get their name out right, there. right, right. You know, right. They they care way more about that one batch of beer that they're making than Miller Lite cares about the three million four hundred sixty-five thousand yeah. hundred second batch. You know? So. So it starts there, the lagers, and then uh, you slightly get a little bit darker. You can move to, like, an amber. and There's, there's like, sub substyles that you can fit in between there, but it's usually, you know, lager, amber, uh, like red and browns, and then you get into quarters and then stouts and then barrel-aged stouts. Yeah. Uh, and then IPAs fits there in the middle somewhere. And, um, you know, again, expectation, I think, is everything as long as you know what you're going for as long as you know what you like and then you can variate from there then you're you're on the right path yeah
0: um is are fruited beers relatively new mm,
1: yes and no And do you think um,
0: it's a fad do you think it's gonna like phase out
1: fruited beers like actual fruited beers or fruity beers in general like beers no no, no that it's, like with, with like with we got dogs in here
0: oh nice like, it's dog friendly place
1: with fruit with fruit. Um, I think it's a new concept. Mm.
0: Um, it was frowned upon before. or are not frowned upon, but like... Um,
1: it's been done. Yeah. yeah. It's, been, it's been done. I'm sure it's been done like, for hundreds of like years. hazy was frowned upon before. Right. Okay. Um, hazy, the whole hazy thing is also amazing. Um, I've never seen anything really like that, like this, I should say, because it's still going on. Yeah. Um, ever before in, in the industry. I, I think it's, uh, as far as hazies go, it's just such a remarkable style. It's it's different. It's something that people are not accustomed to. And I've also seen a lot of non-craft beer drinkers drink a hazy and say, I really love this. And I've never heard, uh, the only comparative uh, like trend in styles that I've seen since I've been aware of the industry is uh, West Coast IPAs, mm, which are, um, basically, I can't, I can't even say this, but in a nutshell, for the layman's out there, it's the same thing as a Haiti IPA. It's, it's just clean, cleaner, crisp, mm. not, not as in-your-face fruity, and you don't get that mouthfeel from it. So it actually is, I, I know it's entirely different, but again, for the layman's out there, yeah. the Wesco-style IPA was a comparison in terms of fads or trends. That I've seen, um, but it's not nearly as as popular because I I'd, I've only seen a handful of people say, you know, this is my first IPA, I really like it when drinking a West Coast IPA. Probably only a handful of people I've ever seen say that or hmm. even say that. But with hazy IPAs, I've seen plenty of people, and I've given my friends who don't drink craft beer, hey, why don't you try out this this IPA? Oh no no no, I don't I don't like IPAs. Okay, well well why don't you try this one this is different you say okay and they try this is amazing oh my god I didn't know IPAs were like this yeah so I mean that the whole hazy thing is is amazing and there's a, again a lot of stigma around that too right the stigma with hazies is there are, there was a lot of brewers that fought it for, oh. for the last, like, I would say about two years ago, coming up on three years ago, there was a lot of brewers that, that initially were fighting that trend because it was seen as a lazy way of brewing because it's an unfiltered beer. Mm. But in reality, in order to achieve the, the necessary profiles to execute this beer the right way, it's difficult. It's, it's known now, there's a lot of brewers out there now that understand the concept of, of biotransformation, which is what gives it the hazy color with the mouthfeel and the flavor profiles that you're looking for. Um, but previously, there was a lot of shitty, hazy IPAs out there, and there were uh, very few really good ones. Hmm. So a lot of brewers were upset or pissed. <laughs> You know, granted, I think that's part of the industry. There's a lot of brewers out there that have been doing this for years, 20 years, 30 years, 15 years, whatever. Um, and just as any other human being, they're resistant to change. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen a—I've seen a lot of people in this industry that are resistant to change. And i what I would say to those people is tough shit. <laughs> Right, and, It's going gonna, gonna to change without you. Adapt or die. I mean, consumers have spoken. They enjoy this style. And just to put things in perspective for you, uh, in 20, I want to say 2017, might have been 2016, Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Sam Adams, all big brands that we know, they made more money, more revenue in their hazy IPA sales oh. in the first quarter of that year than all other IPAs for the entire previous year I didn't know they had hazies (laughs) yeah they do have some hazy series and I those are those are mass-produced hazies so they're you know uh, slightly different in my opinion than some more independent brewers I think independent is definitely the way to go with that style but it just goes to show how consumers are adapting to this style and, and the demand for it overall yeah where can people find you and listen to you? Yeah, um, you can find me at, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, uh, The Works. I am busy working every day doing this crappier sales job, so it's kind of impeded my ability to create as much content as I like, but I'm sitting on a ton and I'm strategically placing it throughout the year. And I'm working on, on ramping up my, my content production again. But you can find me on those platforms at uh, Shy Beer Guy. C H I is in Chicago. Beer Guy. Uh, shy underscore beer underscore guy on most platforms. Well, it's just Shy space beer space guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, it was a pleasure, Brady. Um, yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Um, so guys, thanks for tuning in. Stay curious. Aloha. I'll see you in the next episode.